Greetings, Blister fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 26 of The Briefcase, your Trailblazers podcast covering all things Rip City and beyond. The short run has begun with the All-Star break now in the rearview mirror, but the start of the Trailblazers' unofficial second half of the season got off to a bit of an odd start, which we'll talk about on this edition of The Briefcase. But before we look ahead, let's do a little quick recap of the All-Star Weekend. I don't know how good of an event All-Star Weekend was for the NBA, but it certainly went pretty well for Damian Lillard. Dame won the three-point contest, was the first pick of the All-Star Reserve Draft, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second, and finished with 26 points, four assists, three rebounds, and three steals while hitting the game-ending shot for the second time since the NBA moved to using the Elam ending for the All-Star game rather than the clock. Dame was on Team Giannis. Team Giannis ended up winning. I don't even know what the final score was, and I don't really think it matters all that much. But Dame had a very good weekend in what was otherwise, I would say, kind of a lackluster All-Star weekend for the NBA. The game itself, I would say, was borderline boring. I thought the Friday and Saturday night events actually went off okay. People need to stop complaining about the dunk contest as well. It's fine. Some years it's good when you have good dunkers. Some years it's not when you don't have great dunkers. It is what it is. It's fine as it is. The dunk contest, and in fact, All-Star Saturday night is not the issue at all with All-Star Weekend. The issue is with the All-Star game itself. So considering that, here are my very dumb and obvious ideas of things they could do to fix the All-Star game. Or not even fix it, but just make it a little bit better. First off, if you're going to do the whole schoolyard draft thing, which seems like an okay idea, but I don't really know that it really adds a whole lot to it. But if you're going to do it, it has to be much quicker between when the teams are picked and when the game actually starts. Asking people to tune in for the All-Star draft only to make them wait for an hour after the draft, which in and of itself takes a little bit of time for the actual game to start, is just bad television. It's one of those things that sounds like a good idea, practical application, I don't think it really works all that much. And again, I don't really know that it really adds a whole lot to the viewer experience. The idea that someone is going to tune in, which if you looked at the ratings, they didn't, in order to see guys get selected by LeBron James or Giannis, I don't know what fan is like, I wasn't going to watch the All-Star game before, but now I'm going to watch it because they're going to pick their own teams. Again, it, it's not a bad idea, but I don't think it's also all that good of an idea. And in practical application, I just don't think it works very well. Another thing that happens with the right before the game draft, which I don't think people realize unless you've been to multiple All-Star games, is that it ruins All-Star practice, which is usually one of the best events for fans outside of the actual game events. Usually it's held on Saturday in the middle of the day. It's inexpensive. You can bring your entire family. So if you can't actually go to the All-Star game itself, tickets for those can be a little difficult to come by. You can at least go see the All-Star practice, which is usually a fun event in the event that guys actually know which teams are going to be on. So in the past, when the teams were picked before the game, you could at least hold something close to a practice, which usually features some of the up and down stuff that fans generally tend to enjoy. But since the teams weren't picked yet... There's no point in actually having a practice, so basically the players just stood around at center court for a half hour, did some interviews, took some half-court shots, but other than that, that was about it, and again, it's just, that doesn't make for a very fun event, and granted, like, it it sounds kind of dumb to say, like, we need to protect the sanctity of the all-star practice, but it actually is a pretty good event that I think people actually enjoy, and when you take away actually having teams by doing the draft right before the game, you basically get rid of the notion of even having a practice because the guys you're standing out there with aren't necessarily even going to be your teammates. So having the draft right before the game doesn't do enough to validate ruining the all-star practice on Saturday by doing the draft, which is in effect what it actually does. So not only does the draft before the game really not work from a timing perspective, it also has some downstream effects that I think are pretty much negative. Another thing I would also do with the All-Star game is go back to East versus West. It's not much, but at least it gives you sun skin in the game, and when you mixed up the conferences, any potential rooting interest, casual as it might be, goes away. I know that I always root for Western Conference teams when they're playing Eastern Conference teams. I know, like with college football, 
If a team from the Pac-12 that I generally hate is playing a team that's not in the Pac-12, I will generally root for that team because I want to see the conference do well. It's not much, but it's at least something. And when you're talking about an all-star game, which really has no real rooting interest anyways, even having a little sliver of skin in the game makes it a little bit more appealing. So you could still have the draft if you want, but just do it with East versus West. Don't mix up the rosters. The notion of wanting to see a guy from the West play with a guy from the East, I don't really feel like, again, I, I don't think there's really a whole lot of fans that are clamoring for that. And guys are switching teams so often now these days anyways, up to and including this season, when multiple players who were supposed to be on the East roster ended up on the West roster anyways. There's really no point. Just go back to East versus West. That way you at least have some kind of rooting interest. You might not care a whole lot, and it might not be the reason you tune in necessarily, but it might be a reason for you to stick around and watch the entire game, or at least the majority of the game at least. Because as of right now, like, I mean, what, (laughs) is anyone like, boy, I really need to see Team Giannis win this game. Or boy, Team LeBron really needs to win this game in order to improve his legacy. Like, it just... Again, like it's got no it factor. It's just a thing, much like doing the draft before the game. It's just a thing. It's an idea. It's not a terrible idea, but it's not necessarily a good idea either. And I think in this instance, again, it's a little bit, it takes away a little of the juice from the actual game itself, which like every all-star game doesn't have a whole lot of juice to begin with. Finally, I would say the game needs to start earlier. By the time the All-Star game comes around on Sunday, everyone is pretty much done with All-Star weekend. I don't really know that there's any way to really fix that. I don't think necessarily having the game in the morning as opposed to the evening would really make it a better experience. Maybe it keeps the players a little bit more engaged. I don't really know that that's, that's a good change, but all I'm saying is that by the time Sunday rolls around, everyone who's been at All-Star weekend is pretty much done with All-Star weekend. So heck, maybe you put the actual All-Star game on Saturday and then move the events, dunk contest, skills challenge, which you could probably get rid of at this point as well, and three-point contest onto Sunday night, because those seem to be like things that people are more interested in watching anyways. So maybe you put the actual game on Saturday night. I don't really know that's a good answer, but I'm just spitballing here because I've been to enough All-Star games to know what All-Star Sunday is like. And again, by Sunday... Everyone is already looking to get out of town as quickly as they can to get a little extra rest going into the stretch run of the season. Would that fix anything? I don't know necessarily, but again, I think it's probably worth a try. They've tried a bunch of other things that I think actually have some poor outcomes. Heck, you might as well try this as well. Also, get rid of starters and reserves. Just have people vote for All-Stars and leave it at that. I I know it gives them something to have fans vote for and something to talk about in the run-up to the All-Star game, but especially with guys being in and out because of injuries, changing conferences, trades, it just doesn't really have any kind of juice whatsoever. So just make it all all stars and let the coach decide who's going to start the game. That actually might be a little bit of intrigue. It's not knowing who's going to start the game until they actually roll the ball out. Again, these are small things, but the small things that they're trying haven't worked either. So might as well try some different small things or just say to heck with the all-star game altogether and just figure out another way to approach celebrating the best players in your league midway through the season. Maybe just have like a American gladiator style competition. I don't know, something that the sponsors can still show up and get everything that sponsors need and want from all-star weekend and everyone else can just get a little bit of a break before the stretch run. And one of the things that would probably actually improve the All-Star game more than anything is just not thinking as much about the All-Star game. So let's go ahead and move on to bigger and more important business. After 59 games, Trailblazers currently sit in 12th place in the Western Conference standings with 28 wins and 31 losses and with 23 games to play. The Blazers are 13 and a half games behind the Nuggets in first, three games behind the Mavericks in sixth, which is a line to avoid the play-in, two games behind the Timberwolves for seventh, one and a half games behind the Pelicans for eighth, and a game behind the Jazz and the Warriors, who are currently tied in ninth. 
Also, the Blazers are one and a half games up on the Lakers in 13th, who Stephen A. Smith said today could end up not only as a sixth seed, but also win a first round series. So I guess there's still hope, at least according to Stephen A. Smith, though I guess maybe that only applies to the Lakers. With regards to the efficiency stats, Trailblazers currently sit at fifth in offensive rating at 116.2 points scored per 100 possessions. But on the other side, as we've talked about all season long, the Achilles heel, the Blazers come in at 27th in defensive rating at 115.9 points allowed per 100 possessions. Subtract the two of those and you get Portland's net rating, which at minus 0.5 ranks 23rd, which I believe is as low as they've been in net rating this season. That's obviously heading in the wrong direction at the time of the season where you need to be going in the right direction. And in regards to the betting lines, Trailblazers are now 29-29-1 and versus the spread this season after failing to cover in their last two games. They were one-point underdogs and lost to the Wizards by 25 in their last game before the All-Star break and were 10.5-point dogs versus the Kings in their first game after the All-Star break, sort of, we'll talk about that in a second, ended up losing by 17 points on Thursday night. As for the season over-under, the Blazers will need to win 12 of the remaining 23 games in order to surpass their predicted win total of 39.5, so the Blazers will need to win basically a little more than half the remaining games in order to hit the over. It's going to be close. Now that we're done with all the old business, let's get to the new business. Portland obviously begins the stretch run, their final 23 games of the season. They started that with a game in Sacramento Thursday night. Didn't really get a chance to show what they could do due to travel, as you surely know, particularly if you live in Portland or the surrounding area. We have been inundated with a blizzard that has dropped second most snow that we've ever gotten recorded in Portland, which came on quickly, which we had very little to no forewarning of. So the Blazers end up trying to leave Portland right when the blizzard hits. Doesn't end up happening. Team ends up on the plane for about seven hours. Finally decides to give up. Team goes to a hotel downtown, stays the night, heads back to PDX the next morning in hopes of flying out. Still takes a few hours. Finally get to Sacramento, I think around 3, 3.30. Get to the arena basically a few hours before the game is to start, which is not a very good situation in general. Definitely not a good situation after not playing basketball for a week due to the All-Star break. And at some point in time, the team decides that, hey... This is not worth the risk. We're going to sit Dame. We're going to sit Jeremy Grant, who had been in the concussion protocol for the last couple games before the All-Star break. At some point in time, the team says, hey, we think this probably isn't a good idea. We don't want a chance these guys getting injured. Now, granted, other guys on the team had to play. You don't want a chance anyone getting injured. But the fact of the matter is you have to play those games. So the team did what they thought was best by sitting both Dame and Jeremy, considering that there was basically no time to prepare. Chauncey Billups decided to start Ryan Archidiakono, Matisse Thibel. Nas Little, Cam Reddish, and Drew Eubanks. Game goes as you might expect. Portland actually jumps out to a pretty big lead. As the game goes on, the Kings show their medal, end up winning 133-116. And, you know, for a team in Portland situation, do you like the idea that basically you're kicking away a game because of travel issues? No, you you don't. But also, that doesn't mean the team is tanking. And, and I saw a lot of that after the game on Thursday, which is disappointing because, one hand, people who are in Portland, who cover the Trailblazers and who generally live on the West Coast, they have a general sense of what was going on. Dame and Jeremy were both going to play that game if Portland had gotten to Sacramento as they were scheduled to Wednesday night. Showing up on Thursday, right before the game is not a good situation to put any player, let alone your best players, who if they go down, and Portland already has quite a few injuries right now as it is, with Anthony Simons, Justice Winslow, and Yusuf Nurkic all still sidelined. If you lose one of those guys because they get injured in a game where you only got to the location three hours before, that's a bad situation as well. So 
it's disappointing that people don't seem to actually pay attention to some of the details of the NBA, even people who cover the league. If you're someone who generally, quote unquote, covers the NBA, and you look at what Portland did, you see that both Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant set out. I think there's an inclination to say, oh, well, they must be tanking. All you would have to do is the slightest bit of research beyond that to say, oh, well, here's the reason why. They had a game at 7 o'clock in Sacramento, and they got to Golden One Center at 4 o'clock straight from the plane. Like, that's pretty obvious. And again, like you can say that that's not the right decision. There's plenty of room to disagree with whether or not Dame and Jeremy should have played in that game. That's fine. Disagree about that. <laughs> what you shouldn't do is just straight up come out and say, oh, they sat those guys. That must mean they're tanking. No. Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, Justice Winslow have all been out with long-term injury. Damian Lillard played in the All-Star game, played in the three-point contest, had every intention of playing in the game versus the Kings. Jeremy Grant, every intention of playing in the game versus the Kings after having multiple games off with concussion symptoms. Both those guys, if Portland gets to Sacramento without a hitch, end up playing on Thursday. Thursday's game was a very specific instance in which a team decided to be cautious with their two best players. That is not at all hard to understand and should not at all be controversial. You can disagree with that decision, like I said, absolutely, but you shouldn't take it as a sign the team isn't trying to win. One other thing I will leave you with as well. So after the trade deadline, I'm talking to Dame, talking about kind of what did or didn't happen, and particularly after the injury for Ants, you know, I've asked him, what do you think? Do you think that maybe there's some benefits in going the other direction? You know, if they don't end up making the playoffs, you get to keep the pick that is going to go to the Bulls otherwise. Now, granted, some people would say you need to convey that pick so you can trade future picks. But the fact is, if you don't make the playoffs this year, you get an additional pick this year to go with the pick from New York, assuming that the Knicks make the playoffs. We assumed last year the Pelicans weren't going to make the playoffs, and they did. So I'm a little gun shy to say that's absolutely going to happen. But it's seems fairly likely that the pick that the Blazers got from the Knicks as a part of the Josh Hart trade is going to convey this season. So you'd have two draft picks. I don't even know what the situation with Portland's second round picks are. I assume they have second round picks, particularly after trading for five of them uh, with the Warriors, but I don't know exactly what the status of that is. You got a guy in Jeremy Grant who's coming up for a contract. You have a couple picks. You don't have a whole lot of cap space. You still want to resign Jeremy Grant. That gives you some options in the trade market to pair those picks, maybe with some players, maybe do something. And so, you know, at that point, I was like, well, Dame, you know, maybe that's the, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world. And in no uncertain terms, Dame told me, I am not losing. We are not doing that again. I am not going to burn another half season of my career losing for the sake of losing in hopes that maybe something good will happen. Are the Blazers going to make the playoffs this season? I think that's very much up in the air. They're going to have to play a lot better in these last 23 games than they played in the previous 23 games in order to make the postseason. If they don't make the postseason, it will not be because of lack of trying. If they don't make the postseason, it's because they're not talented enough, they don't have enough healthy bodies, they're not playing defense the way you need to play defense in order to have success. If they don't make the playoffs, it is not going to be because they're tanking. I'm telling you that right now. That is not the case. With Dame on this team, it ain't happening. They are, would have to chain Dame down to the bench in order to keep him from going out there and trying to win games. He's playing the best basketball of his career. I talked to him in Salt Lake City, and he talked about feeling very confident that the way he's been playing lately is a way that he can play throughout the rest of the season and in the playoffs. He is not going to allow this thing to go into the tank. He's just not. And if Dame's not on board with it, it ain't happening. <laughs> 
So I would ask you to one, really pay attention to the people you listen to in terms of the Trailblazers, because I think as we've seen recently, quite a bit of misinformation out there from time to time. And second, just know this team is not tanking. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's what you think they should do. Again, maybe they don't make the playoffs because they're just not good enough, but they're not going to go out there and try to lose games. It's not happening. So having said all that, that's going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. Blazers host the Rockets on Sunday, fly to San Francisco on Monday to face the Warriors on Tuesday, assuming we don't have another blizzard that hits before then, return home to host the Pelicans on Wednesday before leaving for a six-game, 11-day road trip on Thursday. So sometime in between now and then, I'll be back with another edition of The Briefcase. So please, if you haven't already, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to leave a review, good review or bad review, hey, it's up to you review away. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Go Blazers.